everybody. How you doing? It is musicians having coffee, not mandatory, having coffee and talking about stuff. Very nice. And I'm Neil Morse, and uh, my guest today is the amazing, the incredible Mr. Jordan Rudess. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. I'm just getting uh, getting myself together here. Actually, having some chai tea. I hope it's okay to have slight variations in the coffee. Absolutely, theme. we are. We allow we allow all beverages. Jordan and I had just a little bit of technical trouble getting on because we have a we had a feedback loop or something. As I was just like getting the link and getting ready to go on with you, I was thinking, it's just so funny that we have gotten so used to this new way of living and we've all and we've learned all this stuff yeah you know well they made it really about easy this. didn't they i mean if it wasn't really easy you know yeah i mean i mean there is i wouldn't yeah, be able to do it an, there is an easy part but still you had to learn you know what to do like yeah. how to set up how to, you know all the different there's different things to it and and some people have such a block against it like they're so shut down even the possibility that they could do it that it almost prevents them from doing it even though a lot of it's easy right you right. know that feeling of like oh i can't do it you know i just can't do it. i'm not good at computers and then and of course then you're kind of not because you you stopped the game yeah, before you stopped, it started stop learning man you got to keep learning you got to be open to it yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I try. I try to catch myself when I when I approach something and go, "Oh, I don't know if I can do this." They go, "Well, maybe I, maybe I can do it." You know, <laughs> just gotta sit here and stare at it or whatever it is for a little while. Well, I have to be forced, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, my uh, my engineer friends and my tech friends. You know, I um, I listened to an interview of yours actually yeah. uh, recently, mm-hmm. and you were talking about gear and. You know, and uh, you had all the keyboards all set up all over the place and you were triggering everything with MIDI. And and uh, I think your friend came over and said, dude, what are you doing? Right. Right. You can do all this in the box. Exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. It was some years ago. Yeah. Yeah. What's the box? It was an awakening (laughs) for me. I'm sure you've been there. Like I literally had keyboard, you know, I had all my keyboards all over the room and everything was my orchestration was yeah. sending MIDI to the various things around the room. And that's what I was used to. I mean, it was, you know, deep in a sense because you had to walk around the room and kind of like babysit all the machines, making mm-hmm. sure they were all responding correctly, all getting the right continuous controller information on the right MIDI channels. And Oh, it's very technical. You know, very technical. Yeah. You're like literally walking around the room a lot. So, uh, yeah, yeah my, my friend walked in. What is, how can you do that? I was like, how can I do what? Right. <laughs> how can you be walking around the room like doing this? Because I do it in the box. Yeah. Like, what box? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But that was, but then, you know, then fast forward a year after that, I was like, okay, well, I get it. Because, I mean, now my keyboards, a lot of my keyboards just kind of sit there when I'm working on a project and I work on, in the computer with all the software. Yeah. I see some beautiful keyboards back there. Speaking of. Sp- yeah, speaking some, of which, uh, what's going on? Back well, there? that is the. This is for people who are watching it. the visual. Some people, if you're listening oh, yeah, to the audio, yeah. if you're listening to the audio, uh, Jordan has uh, what looks like a vintage Wurlitzer to me. It is a vintage Wurlitzer. Uh, actually, I just got it about uh, when was it? Well, more than a year ago because we've been home for a year. But I was in, on tour in West Virginia, and it was this this town that we kept on coming through. 
it was unusual because we kept stopping there for a night off because our gigs were kind of all around that center location for like four or five days. Huh. And there was a music store, I think it was called Metro Music and Sound. I'm not sure I should really know the name. But um, the first day we got to the town, I was walking down the street uh, with my tech, Keith Wexler. We passed the store and I walked in and right in the middle of the, of the uh, hallway of this music store where they're selling mostly used gear yeah. is this vintage Wurlitzer. And uh, I thought, okay, you know, well, I'll check it. Can I, can I, you know, can I play it? Let me check it out. So I played it and I thought, oh, it's really nice. And they it, said, no, not you. We'll let everybody else, not <laughs> It's him. close to you. Right. No, absolutely not. <laughs> so, but I played it and I thought it was really cool. Actually, no, uh, the first day I stopped, I was by myself. And so I checked it out and I thought it's really cool. But then I thought I better bring my tech yeah. to check this out because, you know, I'd like him to see it. I wasn't really thinking about buying it because I thought, you know, oh, what am I, how am I going to get it home? What am I going to do with another keyboard, whatever? So, uh, but then again, the next time we stopped, Keith looked at it and he said, oh, it looks pretty cool. And then I was thinking about it. Then I had a discussion with my wife because I didn't want to bring home a keyboard, but I'd surprise her and spend the night in the doghouse. So uh, I said, what do you think? <laughs> You're you know, always you buying think? so much gear, Jordan. You're always buying so much gear. Well, our house is filled with keyboards. You know, of it's hard course. to walk. That was my wife. That wasn't your wife. <laughs> through the space. And right. To... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So finally, you know, I, I thought, let me, you know, I'm, I'm going to buy this thing. So I, I bought it. On the, like, the third or the fourth time I was in the town, I thought that this is meant to be. I wouldn't be stopping in this town unless there was a real reason. So that became the reason. Uh, you know, for the whole for the whole thing, I got that, and then I put my my um, Fender Rhodes bass keyboard ah, on top of that. Nice, and, and and that's a fun story because I was, um, you know, that's the that's the instrument that uh, uh, what's his name Raymond Zarek played in the Doors, I guess, for the bass. Oh, really? Right? I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know that. Not that particular one, but that's that's right. What that they is used the thing. Yeah. Bass but the way that I got that was I was visiting some friends many, many years ago in California and uh, they had some people over the house and I was playing on their piano. And then uh, after I played, the guy, this guy who's one of the guests said to me, oh, he says, you know, I, I want to go back to my house. I have something for you. So he went back to his house, which was like a, just a couple of doors down, came back with that and then introduced himself as Harold Rhodes Jr., Whoa. He said, I, my father invented this. He said, I, ha I have this one. I've had this, but I want to give it to you. Wow. So I thought that that was really, really cool. That and so I actually totally just cool. got it worked on. So it's actually, it's in pretty good shape. Ah, yeah. I need to have need... my roads worked on big time. Yeah. I need yeah, to find they, a guy. They need, they need tweaking. Yeah. 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 Mine's so, just um, like one note's like distorting it so loud and the other one you can barely oh, hear oh. and all that, you know, it just, yeah. They need yeah. to be constantly kept up. You know. They need love. So finally, yeah. after many years, I, I sent this one. Actually, one of one of the guys who who uh, works with me a bit works at Dreamland Studios, which is up in up near Woodstock, New York. Oh, cool. And they have and I've the heard guy of that. Who's, I've heard of that place, by the way. Yeah, it's a really yeah. nice place. It's in an old church. And uh, yeah, you've heard of Woodstock. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so this guy who works at the studio does all the tech stuff or all the gear there can fix anything. So, oh, wow. What, he, a valuable, uh, what a valuable person. Yeah. So I was, I was like, can you fix this road? So sent it in, tweaked it up and here it is. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you like the, uh, the whirly? I think it's great. 
Yeah, it's really it's really great. I was even thinking about using it on um, you know some of the new recordings, but then I really you know it's it seems a little fragile, and I didn't really want to take it out of the house. Oh, like so, use it live, right? Yeah, I, I, le I left it there. I didn't bring it to the to the uh, Dream Theater headquarters to do to do you know any recordings with it. Right, right. Yeah, the guy, you know, at one point the guy said, "Oh, you should bring the Whirly," and I'm like, I don't know. I think maybe I'll use Keyscape or something like you know some software. Yeah. To do that. Have you a B'd the real thing with the with the sample on the Whirly? Um, yeah, yeah, I did, and and actually that's funny because I. I when I decided to do that, I was thinking, I was thinking, can I get the sound I want, you know, from the software? Keyscape, I don't know if you tried it, is is fantastic. Yeah. You know, so you, I, I, I can get really, these, really. I'm it's, writing things down, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keyscape. it's not, it's not quite the same. It doesn't have all the quirks and things like that that this one, you know, would have. Right. But just as far as a really attractive, you know, vintage kind of tone, mm -hmm. Keyscape is is great for any kind of Rhodes or Wurlitzer or any kind of like hybrid keyboard. Uh, mm. I, I definitely that's a that's a go-to uh, piece of software. It's made by the oh. same company that does the uh, Omnisphere. Omnisphere, right? Uh, okay. Stuff. And, yeah. and Omnisphere, I don't know if you use that, but that's the software I use more than anything else in the world. I mean, that's. I mean, I got that so many years ago, and still to this day, I'm discovering new sounds in that piece of software. Really? It's it's uh, the I, guy. No, who owns I don't the, have it. I don't. Oh, the guy who owns that company, his name is Eric Persing. Mm. He started it some years ago, and his he is basically uh, you know like the Sonic King because mm. he he was in charge of of the Roland like the heyday of Roland where they were releasing the D50 and right. you know all, all the all the stuff that Roland is known for and he was yeah. kind of like the guy in charge of all the sounds but then he left Roland and he went on to start Spectrasonics and then he's been releasing you know these products that are they're all amazing this oh. Omnisphere That's great. Keyscape Trillion for bass, mm. uh, for bass, synth bass, and also, uh, you know, like regular kind of electric bass and fretless bass instruments. We should, and, we should see uh, if he'll sponsor this podcast, maybe. That would be fantastic. Yeah, at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> Giving him the ultimate endorsement. That's great. No, but he's, because he really does some great stuff. And I got, you know, as yeah. so many of us do, I have so much software that that's awesome. I tend to go back to that stuff a lot. Hey, I wanted to jump in on uh, your story about the gear. Two things. Gear does call to you, no matter what mm. my wife might say. <laughs> you know, it's like you'll, they'll be in the, I don't know, I just feel like I should. Because you don't know what you're going to produce with it till you really start using it. <clears throat> and sometimes I'll look back, like, so, and sometimes it just sort of happens Oh, oh, a couple summers ago, um, yeah. my son, Chad, he was, he's a deal finder. And he said, mm. Hey man, there's a really good deal on an AC 30 for like, you know, a, a really good AC 30, you know, Vox amp for okay. uh, yeah, right, right. the kind of really famous. In fact, I, how... I knew about it because my brother Al, when he was gosh, touring with Chad and Jeremy and like a British invasion tour in the eighties, I think. Really? He told oh me this God. funny story that the English, the English sound man, Al had all these pedals and all this yeah, stuff, yeah. you know? Right, right. And the guy was always like, AC 30 straight in. That's all you need. AC 30 straight in. Wow. And it was a running joke with us anyway. So <laughs> 
Ch- Chad's like, oh, you know, I, I might be able to get it even cheaper. And I'm like, well, uh-huh. I've got, you know, I've got my rectifier <laughs> amp and I've got my right. small fenders. But, right. you know, I don't really have a medium, you know. Yeah. And I kind of yeah. thought about it. I said, well, I don't know. I don't really need it. But if they'll take 500, I'll take it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so they, they declined. And then like a week later, they came back to him and said, okay, we'll take it. Anyway, this amp is now like my go-to world i didn't know that you know i didn't know Uh, yeah sometimes (laughs) sometimes things happen but other times you know i've had pianos that i just like really went and played in a piano store and i was like oh you know it stirs your heart Mm -hmm. you know you're Mm. like you're playing it and just like well totally um yeah, I, yeah. I I had a real experience with the piano that I bought <clears throat> for the house because it I grew, you know I'd been poor for a really long time of you know struggling musician you know making very little money you know fifty to seventy five dollars a night for a lot of years not you know <clears throat> don't you don't have to feel sorry for me but. me too <laughs> we can get into that if you like but yeah right. okay the only time I could ever justify spending any money on equipment <clears throat> at that time was yeah. if I really needed it for my work. Like when I joined the Eric Burden band, I bought a, a Roland VK7 organ because it was like, hey, I need this for my work. And it was true. Right, right. I mean, if you're going to play Eric Burden music, you need the organ, you know. Right. Sure. And, uh, yeah. but I happened to pop, we were, I was looking for like a free piano. The only real piano that I had was the one that I actually grew up mm-hmm. playing in the 60s from my family's house, and it was yeah. thrashed. Yeah. And So I went in this piano store, and I just started playing, and they said, hey, what about this one? You know, and it was, you know, expensive to me at the time, particularly. And yeah. and I really felt in my, and I just felt the instrument, and I felt in my heart, like, from God, like, you should have this. Mm. And I and I went through a whole thing about feeling unworthy, like I ne- I didn't I didn't we didn't need it, I did right, not need right, that right. piano, yeah. right? But it, but, it, but it just touched it, you, right? It was oh I'd go in there they thought yeah. they must have thought I was insane <laughs> in that piano because I would just go in there once in a while and just sit there and play like D minor chords and 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 I would cry. Like, and then I just, oh, and then I just think, can we help you? And I say, no, I'm, I just, I just, I just wanted to dreaming. play, yeah, right? <laughs> and right, I'd leave. Right. And I, and then I had lunch oh, with a friend and I started sharing about this. He's yeah, like, yeah. hmm, I'll go with you over there. And he was kind of wheeler dealer guy. Yeah, yeah. And I just kind of sat there at the piano playing it again. And he talked to them and kind of worked out a financial thing like if you made payments and if you did this and wow i finally wow. and my i called my wife and she said it's okay if you really feel <laughs> right like, right you know and so uh, so i bought amazing it. and that's how it came yeah yeah and, but it was like a whole <laughs> wow. it went on for like several months of me mm-hmm. just going oh I, I i couldn't receive such a gift yeah wow that's intense. Yeah. The piano, but the pianos, I mean, first of all, they're so subjective, you know, like different pianos speak to different people. Yeah. And, and 
you know, one guy, one guy's great piano is another guy's okay piano. You know, everybody, everybody's looking for something different. And also depending on the kind of music you're really making on it, you know, is absolutely it classical, more bell like tone, or is it going to rock and hit a little harder and be right. bright? And be bright. You know, so when, I, when I searched for piano, it was a kind of a similar experience in a way, because I was really on a search. I really wanted to get, uh, you know, a, a beautiful piano. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was looking, you know, I, I would go like to Steinway hall and I would play cause I grew up and I was surrounded by Steinway pianos cause I went to Juilliard and in every practice room and every teacher's room, they had Steinway pianos. Yeah, do they ever, do some, they ever sell those? Do some, they ever sale on those? Yeah. Some, some were kind of, I guess, really beat up. Really? Uh, you know, and others were really nice, depend, you know, depending. Because in the practice rooms, they could get a little bit, you know. Yeah. People were really pounding on them. But um, when I started my real search for, like, a dream piano, I was thinking, well, I can't really afford, you know, like a Steinway Grand. Like, I better try to find something that is really nice, but maybe not that. So I started the search and I went to Steinway and I was playing and dreaming and playing it and thinking, right. mm, you know, I like this, but I can't afford it. And then I ended up uh, at a place called Faust Harrison <clears throat> that does like re rebuilding of pianos. They're oh, kind yeah. of a famous rebuilder. So, but I went there and they have a lot of different pianos and I was playing one and I finally found I found this Baldwin piano that they kind of recommended I look at. And it sounded really great to me up to about here. <laughs> and everything above it, I couldn't relate to was like the piano sound that I that I thought was like a real like a real piano. Yeah. It was weird. I just huh. I think I had the Steinway sound in my head, like from all the years of playing it. Yeah, well that would be Steinway. Years and years, wouldn't it? So many years, yeah, yeah. ever since I was a kid. Yeah. So they, so after I played the Baldwin and I and I made this comment, the person who uh, the owner of Faust Harrison said, "Look, said, which, you know, we really want to understand what you hear in your head. It would really help us to if you came down to the warehouse. We have a piano there that you should play, and then we can get some feedback from you from there." So I went over to this warehouse, which was close by. And I walked in and I sat down at the piano they wanted me to play, which is this piano. You know, I basically, I'm not kidding. I put my hands down. I must have gone like. And before I reached the bottom of the keys, I already was like, oh, my God, this piano is magic. It's the one. It's, <laughs> it's the, the one. one. Yeah. And uh, so my wife was with me and, you know, she saw and kind of felt the vibe of this. And, you know, it was way more than we wanted to spend. But again, we, you know, we figured out some way to uh, avoid the poorhouse and still buy it. It's um, amazing how that works, right? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it is, you know, really my prize of all the things I own. This is my prized possession. You yeah, know, it's it's an incredible piano. Well, I mean, the instrument that you play changes what you write. It really does. And I come in here and I like and every time I play, basically, you know, my hands touch the keys and I'm inspired. Yeah. I just feel so blessed and so lucky that I have this instrument. And I got it when I was 50. So now I've had it for about 14 years. Yeah. So I'm just I'm, I'm just really grateful. 
That's great. To have this, in, to have this instrument. I mean, I still synthes- I, go ahead. You know, go synthesizers ahead. are amazing. You know, they're incredible to take you on mental, creative journeys. But there's something about a piano right. that just is different. It appeals to a different part of your body and your brain. And, you know, it's just, it, it really is, you know, a very unique, special kind of experience. It's so expressive in every for everything you might want to express. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's um, fantastic. Yeah, I've I've never owned a grand piano. I hope to one day find the one and uh, find a place for it. Actually, because that piano I was talking about was a really really full sounding <coughs> upright though. It's an upright. Oh yeah, yeah. Did I ever tell you the Bowie story of me playing piano on David Bowie's album? No, no. Do tell. I got it. It's a it's piano related. <clears throat> so, all right. So I was doing this recording with David Bowie, very excited about it. You know, it was just like a real trip. And actually the one who was more excited about it than me was Mike Portnoy because he, you know, he's, he's a tremendous fan. Yeah, <laughs> he knows yeah. everything, of course, about David Bowie. And what the hell did I know? Yeah, David. Oh yeah. David Bowie's famous. And, you know, so I told Mike, he was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I thought that I was going to go into David Bowie's life and change every, I, I just thought with all the synthesizers I had and everything I was doing, that I was going to be able to go in there and, and just like create this new avenue of expression for David Bowie. Hmm. It didn't happen because I went in there and I learned a lot about being a session musician and trying to give the artist and the producer what they wanted, right, which yeah. was not, which was not Jordan Rudis and all his like crazy creativity. They didn't, they just wanted what they wanted. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so one day, I walk in, it's like the third or fourth day of the recording, and I walk in and I know it's piano day, where I'm going to do a piano track. And I walk in, there are two pianos, there's like a baby grand, and there's an upright. And the tuner is working on the upright. And I'm thinking, that's odd, because I'm almost sure I'll play the nicer baby grand, right? Right, yeah, yeah. It would make make sense. Uh So... um, I go in, I say, hello, good morning to David. I say, good morning to Tony Visconti. And uh, I said, so they said, okay, let's do the piano track. I said, so I'll, I'll play the baby grand, right? They were like, no, 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 uh, you'll play the, you're gonna play the upright because the upright has the special David Bowie tuning, right? What? It's the, yeah, right, but whatever, okay. okay. It's another day and I'm doing what I have to do. <clears throat> so, I say, okay, so I'll play the upright. So I get started. I'm playing the upright. And Tony comes in. He says, you know what? No, it's, it's not right. It's not right. Let's actually play the, play the baby grand. So I play the baby grand. <clears throat> Again, they come in, and now David's with him. And they say, I don't know. You know, it just doesn't sound. It's not the sound. And I'm thinking they don't like what I'm playing. <clears throat> but it's not that they say well, it's something it's, it's the record it's the way it's being mic'd. Mm. they end up <clears throat> they end up moving the upright close to the baby grand right right next to it taking the lid completely off and miking the strings of it it's one of these really tall uprights huh. so they mic the strings they tape the pedal down on the upright oh. and i play the and i play the baby grand but you're vibrating the strings. <clears throat> now they're happy. So now I'm playing the track and they come in. Yes, this is the sound we want. And after I did the track, which is a tune called Slip Away off of the Heathen album. Oh, okay. Um, which is actually really nice too. I mean, 
whatever. I'll have to check know, that. David Bowie has so many albums. This is more like a classic Bowie kind of track. It's really okay. very cool sounding. Cool. It has that that you know that vibe. Um, so they loved it, and they came in after, and they said, "Yes, this is the sound we want. This is an old Brian Eno trick." Really? Right. They loved calling upon the old like Eno things that they, you know, from their because they have so much history. Those guys. Right. Yeah. So this is one of the things I guess that Eno turned them on to, which was, you know, miking strings of another piano, taping the pedal down, and playing this one, and having the sound. I mean, when you hear Crazy. the track, Crazy. you tell me. You listen to it. You tell me if it's uh, if it's magical. I do want to listen to it. What, what was it called again? It's, it's called Slip Away. Slip Away. That's funny you should talk about Eno because Hack <coughs> Mr. Hackett was talking about Eno just uh last oh, week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so you got a record coming out. Um yeah. we're taping this uh some days before the release date, but it probably yeah. this will come out after yeah. the release date. Okay, yeah. So right, uh, right. so man, what do you want to say about the new LTE, brother? The LTE, well, oh my god, it's more than twenty years just kind of like in the making, not really in the making, but we've been waiting a long time. It's crazy to think about the amount of time yeah. that's gone by since the last LTE album. And, yeah, you know, the, the funny thing, I mean, in, in my career, this album is def without a doubt the most requested, you know, event of anything I've ever done. I mean, there's every day. Really? You know, when are you coming out with... When are you doing another LTE? When is it coming out? I love LTE. Right. I was I was inspired by LTE, and a lot of people saying that LTE is what even got them into like being musicians. So wow. there's a little bit of extra pressure, you know, around the whole LTE thing. Yeah, it was you know pretty pretty serious. I mean, you know, like you and I, we're always doing stuff, making records, working on things. And, you know, there's an element of feeling like, oh, you know, gotta you know, hope, hope that people like it or whatever, but we're, we're kind of doing our thing. Right. In this case, there was a little bit more of a feeling like, wow, this better be really good. Like the, yeah. the pressure, the pressure, I felt more pressure about it. Um, which just meant that I had to do a little bit more preparation than I had done, I guess, for the, for the, you know, the ones more than 20 years ago. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, but it all, you know, it all worked out so well. And when we got in the studio, it was all very natural and we didn't have any, you know, issues with the coming up with the goods, you know, did you uh, do a lot of pre-writing <laughs> yourself or <clears throat> I did some pre, I, I came up with different like melodies and some chord patterns and things like that. I wanted to make sure that I could really, you know, do a, w what we needed to do just in case the muse was not, uh, was not with me. Right. <laughs> I, you know, you don't know when you go in the studio for two weeks, Yeah. then who knows what's going to happen? I mean, maybe there'd be a writer's block. I yeah. don't know. Right. I used to I used happen. to feel like that majorly. I mean, and, and we used to <clears throat> we used to spend shorter time, like particularly with Transatlantic. I think the first album, Mike was only there for three or four days. Um, wow! And we That's had a couple really, days really after he left. That's my recollection. I could be wrong. <laughs> my recollections wow. aren't always right. Oh, well, by the wow. way, another yeah. side note about your story um, when you about the Wurlitzer. You know, you said, "Oh, I, you know, I think." We, me and my tech, we saw it that day. It's like, oh, no, right, no. Right. The first day I saw it by myself. Yes. And the next day I saw it with the tech. I It made me think of my wife. Like, I tell, I, you know, I tell a lot of stories. Uh, you know, I get up and speak in church. I, I do, a, you know, I do a certain amount of speaking. And she oh, yeah. is such a stickler for the facts. <clears throat> uh -huh. <laughs> no, 
It actually wasn't a Wednesday. That was a Thursday. <laughs> She's got to be right. right. <laughs> right, right. So. She's like, otherwise, people will think you're bogus. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> it's, funny. it's good to have somebody there to correct. I'm all, you know, my wife is my editor as well. Right. I'm like right. posting things to Instagram or Facebook. And then, you know, an hour later, she's reading and says, why'd you post that like that? I'm like, what are you talking about? It, the grammar. <laughs> I made a spelling mistake. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to, <clears throat> I'm trying just, to do all these things. It's just, I'm such right. an overview guy too. For me, like the point is what's the point of the story? Like the details, I'm not that much of a detail guy. I don't know if that would surprise people, but I'm I'm just really not. It was funny. I took my daughter to. Uh, we had a day off on one of the last Neil Morse Band tours in Chicago, and I took yeah. her to see the comedy group Second City, right in Chicago, and they did this bit that made me laugh so much I could totally relate. Like they all came out and sang Saturday in the Park. And this okay. one girl said, stop the song, stop the song. I remember it was a Friday. It wasn't a Saturday. Like totally just like ruined the, <laughs> like ruined the whole thing. <laughs> That's funny. So right, right, right. I don't know. I, I, when you said that about the, you know, making sure that it was yeah accurate right. because, right. you know, yeah, we want to. It's good to have people on the team. That, yeah, uh, that are keeping you, keeping you, uh, yeah, right, setting it right. right. Yeah. So anyway, so the LTE thing, very exciting. It's coming out uh, on the 16th. And I guess we're going to, this is going to, our talk will come out after that. But the 16th is the day. Yes. And, uh, you know, it was originally, it was a, it's a big day. It was originally supposed to come out on March 24th or something like that. But then it got delayed as so many things are getting delayed because of COVID and just, you know, printing houses and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the, the vinyl houses are really behind. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But now, but now it is happening. And uh, finally, so, you know, like when it was first delayed from the 24th to the 16th, we were like, we were kind of like, oh my God, you know, the, the album is delayed. What are we going to do? What are we going to tell people? Right. <clears throat> and then we were thinking, well, they waited over 20 years for this. Right. They can wait another couple of weeks. Right. So that after we kind of got that perspective from it, we felt a little better. Like, this is cool, you know? They've yeah. been waiting. This oh, is I good. know. Yeah, so, same with the last... Um, we had a lot of delays and things with the last Transatlantic, and it was the same kind of thing. I don't think we yeah, had to push the release right, date right. back, but, like, we got the product here at Radiant really late, and I'm still actually talking to the shippers and trying to sort all that out but yeah sometimes things are just delayed and they're late and then things happen Mm -hmm. and people don't get their stuff and 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 we all feel really bad about it you know we work hard on of course trying to get it but i mean it's just the way it goes and you finally realize okay at the end of the day this is music Mm-hmm. You know, right. I think it's right. all it's all going to work out. I wanted to ask you yeah. about working with Tony Levin, who I've never worked with. Uh, what's that yeah. like? Yeah, and he Tony is a great guy. He's just such an interesting person. He's you know he's he's just very uh, bright. He's uh, he's a he's a great musician on so many different levels as well. You know, it was interesting because the. Uh, I realized when we did the first LTE album that, you know, I came into it having not worked with John and Mike other than playing like one show with them years ago, you know, for the, for some convention they were doing, I didn't really know, you know, how they work and I didn't know how Tony worked either, but I came into this and what I quickly saw happening is that I was functioning a little bit as almost like a bridge 
Mm. You know, I could I could relate to like John and Mike and what where they were coming from musically. And I could also relate to where Tony was coming from. And certainly he could relate to everybody, too. But there was a little bit I was I, I felt like I was a little bit more connected with like the with the dream theater kind of energy, even though I hadn't really worked with them yet. So I was able to kind of like maybe like I don't know if translate is the right word, but kind of like bridge that gap because right. um, as an example, like Tony, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I read music and it's a big part of my life having done it since I was a kid. And I write things down. Like when we're in the studio and we're composing, I'm literally sitting there with a pencil and a paper and you know, that's how I do it. Right. So, and Tony is very much that way as well. Is that right? So we had that, we had that in common. He likes to, you know, he likes to write things down. And even before he like, uh, I'm just remembering like on this album, before he went and did his takes, he made himself a, a, a real chart, uh, you know, what it was going to be. And it was a night nice, and he makes nice, quick, accurate charts what would that look like for which, lte which, <laughs> being cool. right right uh, <laughs> yeah he's really I mean, good at it he, you know he writes what he needs to, he writes what he needs to, i know uh, what like nashville uh, nashville song charts <laughs> yeah, look right. one four <laughs> five you know every once in a while yeah. there's a six minor it's very <clears throat> shocking yeah and very 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 prog very very <laughs> it's very no very difficult there's an old joke uh uh, there was a there was a picture of a, this was on the Babylon Bee I think there was a picture of a bunch of protesters outside a church and it said you know uh, Hillsong being protested over controversial fifth chord right? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's LTE which is like oh my madness right so Tony has that that element of you know being very schooled you know, and really looking at things that way a lot of times. But the great thing about Tony is also he's just so musical. And he, you know, you give him a couple of chords and he's like all over it. He can do all these nice things, you know, just and it just keeps coming out. It's just very, you know, really yeah. natural. It's almost like uh, he's wonderful. He's played on so many of my favorite records. So many, so many great things. I mean, it's yeah. almost like a, you know, in his own way, like, you know, how Chris Squire would not would kind of like, I don't know, avoid or not need to always play the route. And he was always doing interesting things and landing on some inversion and stuff like that. Well, Tony has that kind of ability too. Oh. But of course, Tony, Tony has his own sound as well. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it's very, very distinctive. I mean, like, Oh my God, there's a tune in this new album where it just sounds like he's creating a monster or something like that. It's very like crimson y. It's just like you listen to it, you go, What the hell is that sound? It's absolutely outrageous. Wow. <laughs> it so it is almost vulgar. <laughs> it's like so cool, you know, and it's like distorted, mean, evil way that uh, is wow. really something. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, that's part of what he does as well. You know, and, and Tony's had so much experience. I mean, he's worked with everybody. He's got one of the biggest discographies in the universe. Yeah. <clears throat> when he comes I mean, John in to Lennon work with and, us. John Lennon and Peter Gabriel, to, for just it, to name of, a few. Of, of course, yeah. yeah. When he comes in and works with us, I mean, there's certain influences that are maybe m more... Uh, more related to what we're doing or that we're looking for a little bit more, like give us some of the crimson, you know, right, sure. stuff or give yeah. us a little bit of the Gabriel stuff, you know, things that relate to our, our prog space. Right. <clears throat> but he, he just brings it out, you know, and he's just one of a kind. So it's, it's really great to have him in that mix. You know, yeah. It's a really different, 
Yeah, it's such a different element there. That's that's really cool. So for people who don't yeah. know, uh, Jordan was a uh, child prodigy. I, I know we talked about it last time we talked, but if you wouldn't mind, <clears throat> I think the story is just fascinating about how you didn't have a piano at home. Yeah, we're not in a musical family. Right. right. And right. Uh, I don't want to tell your story. I want. Yeah. I really so hear um, it from you. It's amazing. It's funny. It's funny that that stayed on your mind because what stayed stayed on my mind since the last time we talked is just when you were telling me about your family and how musical, you know, everybody around you is musical. It was just part of your growing up. It made me think that, wow, like it's crazy that I kind of became a musician in, a, in an environment that had nothing to do with it. You know, right. Yeah. That's it's amazing. Almost, it's upsetting, actually, to think about it in a way. Well, it makes <laughs> I would have more... much preferred to, uh, you know, grow up in a musical household, but it didn't happen. So so basically the story is that um, we had no piano in our house. You know, I grew up, there was not, there was nobody played, nobody played an instrument. Um, there was an old upright in my grandparents' house, but my grandfather was kind of like, he was the kind of guy that like kept his couches covered with plastic and the piano was basically locked and, you know, nobody was touching anything. Don't so touch that it, wasn't... you kids. Don't exactly. touch that stuff. Right. Well, that sounds exactly like him. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was that when I got into second grade, there was a piano in the classroom and you were allowed to touch that. And I started to play around with it. And one day the teacher had called up my mother and said, hey, you know, it's so nice to have Jordan playing the piano in the classroom. And my mother thought that she was calling the wrong person, talking about the wrong kid because Jordan doesn't play the piano. But the teacher was like, no, 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 he's playing the piano in the classroom and he really plays nicely and you should know that. Or like, I think she was more like, thank you for <laughs> you know, wow. the music. And my mother was like, okay, well, uh, I guess I'll buy a piano because my mother always loved music, but you know, she married my father who was in the garment business and you know, it was a, they ended up like not having any instruments. In the is this all in the like city? That. Is this all in New York? Um, so no, I lived, I lived in the suburbs of, uh, of New York out on Long Island. Out on the Island. Okay. Long Island. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in Great Neck, okay. uh, New York, which is Nassau County, Long Island. So, um, so my mother actually who loved music, she used to go to concerts when she was younger, uh, classical concerts and see like Bernstein, you know, like yeah. she told me that she would sit on the steps outside the amphitheater and just like listen when she couldn't afford a ticket. So she really loved it, but it hadn't, it became something that was more in her past. Hmm. So now when she heard that I was like into you know, playing the piano, she was like, I'm going to buy a piano right away. So she bought this very nice little, she, I don't know where she found it. She found this white uh, baby grand it was called an sd piano e-s-t-e-y oh okay baby grand and that I was my I've first seen, piano I've, I've seen one of those before yeah maybe yeah i think i have uh, yeah so uh so i bought that and then she hired one of these guys that comes around you know like does the 30 minute lessons at your house yeah in those days that was very common with the piano teacher coming around and doing yeah. all that sure so uh and the guy came and he started me on the little book you know the little red book and i was playing some notes yeah but he learned quickly that i was more interested in like chords and stuff like that because i was already like finding the chords and when he when he saw that i could improvise uh 
and that I had a good ear, he was like, okay, I'm going to show you all the, all the chords. So I think he wrote me out like a circle of fifths kind of thing. Yeah. And he just showed me that. And I started to learn all the inversions and, right. and that, that, that was, that was really the, that was the foundation for me. That was the first thing that I learned. I learned how to play all the chords. And then my, my mom used to bring home all the, the like guitar music or the fake books to like, you know, Broadway shows and, and songs from movies and used to put it in front of me. And I used to play the songs and I used to play like, you know, whatever song it was, I had, I saw a C chord and I saw a melody and I would just, you know, I would play the thing and, you know, whatever it was, I'd make up my own, I'd make up my own arrangement, not even thinking about it. I, I didn't even realize that everybody doesn't do that. Wow. But so, what did you do when you're looking at the chart and it says, uh, you know, C diminished flat, you know, or, you know, uh, some of the more complex chords that there were, surely would be in the uh, in a Broadway song? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd have to I'd have to, uh, you know, use figure it out my right. ear and figure it out. And that's the first thing that those are the first things that I learned more than reading music because my teacher really wanted me to, to, to he was inspired. He was like a jazz guy. Yeah, as well. Right. So, um, so one day uh, in the, in the course of doing this, there was a friend of my mother's who came to the house who um, had a piano teacher that lived like next door to her. So she had a, a kind of an awareness of music, and this, and she was friends with this teacher. And she saw me doing, and she came in, and I, I must have my mother probably said, "Oh, play somewhere over the rainbow for her or something." So I did, and uh, she said, "Oh, wow. So how how are you? Um, how are you doing? What are you doing? Like it doesn't say that on the page." I was like, what do you mean? It says what chord? It says the note. She's like, well, no, all the other notes you're playing. So I said, like, I don't know. This is just, I'm just playing it. So and you're, and and you're so what, she a, said, what age are you now? Oh, like I'm um, eight years old, you know, just wow. very, very, very young. So, so, that, so the woman said to my mother, so you should really bring him to this teacher that lives near me. She's a, she's a serious teacher and her son went to Juilliard and, you know, why don't you get him some real lessons? So, um, my mother brought me to this woman. Her name was Magda. She was from Hungary. She was very passionate, very temperamental. Her story was that she had a son who, uh, went to Juilliard and went to the college level of Juilliard, but left the college level to join Guy Lombardo's band. Oh, wow. So when her son left to join Guy Lombardo's band, she never recovered. Uh, it blew her mind. Her, you know, her son, who was a classical musician, which she was passionate about classical music. Right. was off playing with Guy Lombardo. Which doesn't old, even old count. Old which, Lang Syne. Or right. Which is the, probably the depths of... Yeah, you know, right. No, it was the, it was of the yeah, garbage. She spoke, about, she spoke about it all the time. And when she met me at every lesson, she said, okay, you're going to be the one. I'm going to get you ready to go to Juilliard, and you're going to stay there, and you're going to be a concert pianist. It so was you, decided. You need to bring her to a Dream Theater concert and... Yeah, she can she's, probably weep. No, no right. longer. Yeah, weep. <laughs> she's rolling over in her, in her grave right now. <laughs> totally. Oh my god. So, uh, 
with the, yeah, lead, so she, with the electric guitar lead, you know, <laughs> right, right, with the lead sound, right, the whole feedback and right, crazy yeah. stuff. Oh no! Um, yeah, right. Not again. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not happening. Yeah. Poor thing. Classical right? people, man. Cla- we'll talk about that too. I'm, gl- I'm glad she passed away before. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but it's more you nails. Know, she saw that because that would be horrifying. To more her. nails in the coffin, Jordan. Right, right. So that you know, so the crazy thing was that. She prepared me. She taught me the program that I needed to audition, you know, the Bach, the Beethoven, the Chopin, the one little modern thing. I think it was Villa Lobos or something like that that mm-hmm. I played. Yeah. Cat and Ma- piece was called Cat and Mouse. Okay. Uh, by Villa Lobos. You needed to play something modern to get into Juilliard as well as the classics. So I auditioned and I got in and I, I started my next journey, you know, with, with uh, a teacher whose name was Catherine Parker. Mm. And so... so- you're nine yeah. years old when you get in Juilliard? Yeah, so I was nine at this point. Wow. And for anybody, if there's anybody yeah. who doesn't know, that is the pre- premier American music school in New York City, right? Yeah. 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 So when I got there, you know, there were two perspectives. Some people saying, oh, wow, you know, amazing. You're at Juilliard when you're nine years old and da, da, da. But the reality was I walked into that school and the first thing I realized is that everybody around me is like composing operas, <laughs> symphonies. They're like eight years old and they're composing symphonies. And I was like, okay, well, uh, this is, yeah. It was just became part of my, my world. But I realized, you know, my eyes were open like, oh, wow, that kid over there is, you know, playing a Liszt concerto and he's only seven years old. Like there was some amazing, you know, and especially the Asians, of course, because they're so focused and, you know, and they would send them over from Asia to study at Juilliard and they were just doing incredible things at very, wow. very young ages, you know. Yeah. So and this was, is like 1965 a, or something or when, when is this? It? Yeah, exactly. 1965. Wow. I just took... I was just guessing. That's exactly right. <laughs> good, good guess, buddy. Wow. You're on it today. My wife what would kind be. Of co- my what wife kind of would be proud. Are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I finally got something right. Um, <laughs> You're on it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about. It. So then, you mentioned before also that. So then you become this classical guy, and they definitely frowned on anything that you might do by ear yeah. or uh, improvis- improvisational. Yeah, pieces or right, anything like right. that is that right yeah well i remember my first lesson i don't know if you hear the piano but i'll show you i'll show you what happened but say yeah, yeah please do that too. that'd be great so i was playing a little bot thing but then i went into and i thought that i didn't play that but i played whatever came into my head you know I thought my teacher would be really impressed. I was showing off. I was used to you know, showing off. Right. Uh, but the teacher was like, no, wait a minute. It's not what's on the page. You're not playing the the, the piece. Yeah. I was like, okay. I thought I was being musical. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. It really was, it was shut down. It was a little, it became, my improvisation became a little smirk, like a little like, funny thing that I do. I'd have to bring the improvisation. And I always improvise. I grew up improvising that's what i had mostly done right you know except for i had to kind of go and get this program together for juilliard and do all that yeah and she was really not for it at all because she was like okay you're you're we're we're, we're stepping back because you have to learn proper technique 
you know, just how to play the piano. Yeah. So which was very we, valuable, I'm sure. Oh my God. Well, I was playing yeah. harder. You know, I was playing all this hard music, and then she brought me back down to. And I was bored because I I thought I was already beyond that. You know. Yeah. Playing stuff, but she went back. See, my teacher was 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 the assistant to Rosina Levine, mm. who was the most famous piano teacher of the last century. Okay. So she was the she was like the when Rosina Levine, you know, needed help, she called upon Catherine Parker, who was a student of hers, who she knew who could kind of take over, and was really so. So I got the most amazing, you know, foundation and structure to my playing that I think is possible. That's amazing. Yeah. So how did you move from? How many years were you at Juilliard, and how did you what what happened after that? And how did you yeah. wind up playing at stadiums in your sixties? <laughs> right yeah, right so uh i stayed at juilliard for the whole pre-college thing which basically meant that i was there uh every saturday doing piano and composition and ear training and all that stuff but i also had to go into the city for an extra lesson with my teacher because anybody serious didn't only go saturdays so my mom would drive me into the city to have a lesson at her apartment her studio mm. there um what was it every Tuesday or whatever, and sometimes even a third time, depending if I had a recital or something like that coming up. Wow! Uh, but I also had, but I also had a, a composition um, and theory teacher that would come work with me another day of the week uh, out where I lived, which was always good. So um, yeah, so I did that for like uh, up until college age, and then at that point I was already kind of finding out about Genesis and Yes and Pink Floyd and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, which was probably the thing that really triggered the, the biggest change. You know? Right. Yeah. It was Tarkas that blew my mind. Yeah. Tarkas was really. a big one for me, too. Yeah. It was the album, although I, I, you know, I totally loved everything else I was hearing. But the Tarkas thing showed me that you could be a keyboard player and have that kind of power. I yeah. didn't, you know, I knew that the, the, the chords... you know, fourth stuff and sus stuff. I was familiar with that. That was not, you know, that wasn't anything like really new, but the way that it sounded, yeah. I was like, wow, incredible. Or, you, you know, know, or even to build a whole piece where the resolution is, you know, right. That, that's cool. You know, you're playing along. resolution okay well that's cool i just felt it was this other kind of strength you know yeah so uh that was it so i was like okay i, I gotta do that i gotta find out first of all i thought that the kind of i couldn't imagine that he was using instruments that were accessible to like everybody i was thinking that they were instrument every instrument he must have had was absolutely designed for him you know i uh -huh. felt that way about wakeman too it was something it was a big separation you know yeah i didn't realize yeah. you could buy something that cool like in a music store or something like that it's right like, it's like they're on a mountaintop and you can't touch what they're doing or how they're doing it yeah <laughs> both of those guys my experience of that stuff there there was definitely a otherworldliness about it for, for me you know I when i when i heard that synth and tarkas going it was like right, right oh it was like the voice of god or something you oh know calling god. from the mountaintop or absolutely you know and uh, one of the things i've talked about a lot i saw yes open for black sabbath i was a 12 year old kid <laughs> that was amazing yeah that was really uh, getting into the power of rock you're talking about the power yeah. of the music you right, know right and yeah, uh yeah. i was getting into the power of those riffs 
Right. right. And Yes opened up and they had, you know, they had some of that power, but they also had, you know, these acapella vocals. And then when Wakeman sat down in uh, Heart of the Sunrise, on the piano, I was like, you can have all this in one thing? Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> it's just like, you know, right, like a right. whole new possibility that, yes, yes, that I'm, right. still, that I'm still really living into. Right, right. The, the, the fact that you could combine the energy of rock with the classical harmonies and rhythms and put it all together and create this thing, which yeah. is why we love doing what we do, because it's the ultimate fusion. You know, it's about this amazing fusion of all the elements yeah. that, come in, that come into our lives, you know, and it's different balances. Maybe it's a little more classical at this point. Maybe it's a little more rock. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe a little electronic, whatever. But it's allowing this this stylistic blend to, like, come out in different ways, which is the joy of it. And that's what they think the right. listeners, they just love that, you know, yeah. people who want to take a little extra time and who love music. They don't necessarily just want to hear one straight ahead style unless it's just tapping their foot. And, you know, what? I mean, yeah. it could be a great pop song, of course. Right. But there's something about allowing a blend, you know, and, and, the, and the mind and kind of mind that it takes to bring those things in. It's just really interesting, especially interesting to us. That's why we went into this that's element right. to the business. That's why we, you know? that's why we, we fell in love with it. That's yeah. why we do what we do. So, Did yeah, so when I, when I discovered the whole Tarkas thing, I was like, okay, well, I really want to do this. And then, and then I heard Patrick Morass playing on the Refugee album and playing uh, a lead the way he does. I don't know if you know that album. I don't. Um, when, oh my God, that was, that was an album that really really influenced me because patrick morass i'm gonna write that one down too yeah refugee is the name of the group so he came he joined the guys who were in the nice when emerson i think the story is when emerson left he came in and he did an album with those guys oh wow and the album is called refugee and there's a song on it that's called someday it's the ballad mm. but patrick plays this really really wonderful lead and, you know, he's just so great at that. He's just, it's just something about his, his approach to playing leads with the pitch wheel that just really, I mean, I heard the other players that do it, of course, you know, and the great players, you know, so many of them. But when Patrick did it, I was like, oh, my God, I got to do this. This is crazy. I want this instrument. Whatever he's playing on, I want this instrument. So I found out it was a mini Moog. And then I proceeded to bug my parents that they needed to buy me a mini Moog. And this was before I, you know, at, at that kind of period of time when I was finishing the pre-college and getting ready to decide what I wanted to do. Right. So I bothered them enough that my father arranged actually through an uncle or something like that, that they would buy me a mini Moog. So uh, I remember going to my uncle's office because he was going to be the one to actually finance it. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? Uh, I don't know. This is one of these kind of funny, funny meetings with a relative who was going to buy something for you. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want totally this for, kid? What do you, what do you want, kid? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was really feeling like I didn't necessarily want to go to the college level of Juilliard. But I was at that point where there was a lot of pressure from my teachers and my parents. They were all like, you, you know, you've been doing this. You need to, you need to continue your studies. Like, what are you going to do? You yeah. Go to Juilliard. And I kind of, I didn't know life other than Juilliard so other, and the fact that I love this other stuff, but I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the culture, anything about the people that were doing it. I was totally junk in this one kind of like, you know, 
walkway down this path. Yeah. So uh, so I agreed and I prepared my program uh, for the, another audition because you have to audition at every level, uh, Juilliard. Right. Uh, certainly to get from the pre-college to the college, it's a whole nother thing. It's like you'd never went there before you have to audition, and, you know, kind of prove that you can that you deserve to go there. Right. So um, I got my program together. I auditioned. I got in. I got a scholarship. I, I was the teacher I got was this woman, Adele Marcus, who was one of the top teachers of Juilliard, of the upper school of Juilliard. Wow. Who told my parents that your son is going to emerge early on the New York concert scene? He's going to be the next New York, you know, great pianist. So, <clears throat> to make the, this long story a little shorter, so I went, so I stayed at the college for about three quarters of a year, up until the day that the, that a teacher one week had assigned the Chopin G minor ballade. This one. brought it back to her a week later and I had the music it's about a 30 page piece or so and I started to play it and uh, about page 15 or so she comes over she reaches over she takes the book away and I came to a halt and she said why did you stop and I said well I stopped because I've only been playing this piece for a week and it's a 30 page piece so she was like she literally said well what well when you study with Adele Marcus, talking about herself in like the third person, you have to memorize these things the first week. That's what we do here at Juilliard in the college level. Wow. And so I thought about that. And uh, I was thinking about Tarkus <laughs> and, you know, like Six Wives of Henry VIII and uh -huh. Patrick Moraz and his leads and my Minimoog that was waiting for me at home. And that was my last lesson. That really i left yeah i left and and, and i it was not easy because my parents didn't know what to do with that decision sure they didn't i didn't they'd like, invested so much right and and i hadn't and i was at a point in my life where i hadn't even conferenced them about it i was just kind of see i had never had like the teenage rebellion i never had it at all mm. when i was like 14 15 16 i was very sheltered i was just home i was just practicing i was just doing what I do and I you know the, to the point where the kids used to tease me you know like I'd go out and they go oh you know you're always practicing yeah, 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 yeah. You know, right yeah not going to like the typical parties right or the piano anything. wimp right and I didn't you know I hadn't done any drugs or anything like that to be you know to experience anything along yeah. those lines and so when I got into Juilliard things were really changing to where I really was into this prog music wow I ended up That's getting very into like having one hand on the mini Moog and the other hand on the knobs. And that was pretty much my thing for a while. I had an echo machine. I had my mini Moog. Right. Uh, and that's all I really needed. And I was playing like really, really spacey stuff, but I didn't know what the hell to do with it. Right. You know, I was on my own because no, because there was no guidance at all. I think I, I no... just want to pan on my camera over. <clears throat> yeah. If you can yeah. see right here. Oh, there's oh the... yes. It's it's a Voyager, but it's a mini mode, yeah, and the Echoplex right, right. next to it. So <laughs> you know, the... you know the headspace. In my case, I feel like I opened up those channels, and they're open, and I can use them anytime I like. Because you know, music for me, like yourself, is 
it's always inspiring and what's around us is always inspiring and if we can just be relaxed and open and take in the energy from you know where, where however it comes in yeah you know i, I kind of view myself you know in, 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 at my highest self as if i have like almost antennas for like the energy around me right yeah and if i can if i can just relax enough to bring it in then i can allow it to come through my hands or through my writing and yeah that's that's what it's all about you know, yeah a lot of times for me it's open. like listening listening to what's already there you know yes. you're listening to um you know the sounds you know the sounds of heaven or, or however you want to look at it you know you're, right, right. um how, yeah how can the, you the angels are singing possible? singing melodies in your mind you know, uh, it's a, I don't know how it works either. Uh, right. I enjoyed that Bob, Bob Dylan in his, one of his books, they ask him, where did, where did all these crazy lyrics come from? Yeah. You know, for hard rain's going to fall, for example, where did this come from? Yeah. And he just says, I, who knows where any of this stuff comes from? Who the hell knows? Really? Right. Yeah. But, uh, right. I finally, of course, you know, being who I am, I finally came to the place where I feel like it in some way, I don't know the details of it, but I'm, I'm giving God all the credit for that. It makes a lot of sense because you I know? mean, we're just, we're just like channels, however you want to come to it. Like we're like tiny, you know, people in the middle of this planet that there's so much going on and there's this massive energy and, you know, God, you know, however anybody wants to look at it, but yeah. It's not. <laughs> it's not coming from us. I mean, we we are we are lucky enough to be in a position, I think, to to kind of allow ourselves or train ourselves to be able to, you know, take the energy and put it out in a musical form. Yeah, and for me, a lot of times it's about being obedient. Like just this morning, uh, you know, I woke up about four in the morning and I felt like. I should go right. Like there was something I was feeling this compelling, wow. like go right. That's so awesome thing. Wow. And so, you know, my part is to actually get out of bed and come in here and turn the, wow. turn the computer on get the piano going and, and then see what happens. And yeah, I feel like, you know, and then you just kind of drop your hands down like, Oh, that's cool. Right. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, you know, and you get out, I get out my phone and start recording it. And pretty soon I have a theme and I have a little beginning of a song. And, and, uh, I don't know because it wasn't like I, some, sometimes it's more clear to me. Like, I don't know yeah. if you, I wake up sometimes with just full melodies, like, um, like in the way that Paul McCartney woke, woke up with the entire yesterday melody in his mind. Yeah. Um, sometimes that'll happen, but many times it's like you just, you know, I just, oh, I just feel to play and see what comes and then things yeah, come right, like right. in those moments, just kind of through your hands or I don't, yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. How it works. Right. It's so mysterious. You know, yeah. what's interesting on that note is, I don't know if you've ever experienced this particular thing, but you know, through my life, if, if I'm not well, like if I have a fever or something like that, like literally sick. You'd think that that'd be a time when not when that creativity would stop, but a lot of times it almost opens it up. Like I can remember some times when I would like have a little bit of a fever, like some kind of virus or something, but I'd be at my piano and it was almost easier to just allow things to come through. Wow. It's so, so mysterious how the brain works. Yeah. You know, 
what, yeah, I I whatever whatever I... unblocks, you know, whatever, whatever, there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way during the defer. You know, a lot of people can't create because there's just their mind is filled and they don't have the desire. They don't have the ability to allow it to be open enough to just create or be creative. Um, maybe, be, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe it's because like, you know, we're creative people and we really love the feeling and we value you know, letting go of some of that stuff, like all the busyness of life to allow something to just happen. If I sit, if I sit at the piano and I'm like, you know, uh, you know, I can create because for a moment I just go turn, turn off, you know, whatever's there. And right. Just, you know, just kind of. You know, and I can always play something, and sometimes it's better than other things, but there's always something, because it's almost like talking, you know? Right, right, it's yeah. Hard to, it's hard to describe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, the that's more great. I can clear the, clear the brain and just allow stuff to come out, you know, just like a vehicle, just to let it, yeah. let it go. And sometimes it's so shocking it's it was well, it's, it's my one of the, the favorite you know next to my like wife and kids it's like my favorite part of life mm -hmm. is with the when those moments when the things come that you just know are just just jewels right you know like a whatever whatever it be if it's a little pop melody or a orchestral theme or you know whatever it is you just you'll have that sense of like, oh, that's really special. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And, and oh. when you get in that space, when you enter it, it almost leads to the, it leads to the next space. You know, you're, you're lucky enough to find that moment where you tap in, you know, and then it's like you're there. And then if you can stay there, it can allow the next, you know, the, the next thing to happen. Yeah. But, but it's a matter of not letting things get in the way. Yes. And they yeah. come in funny. They come at funny times, like, right? Like for me, they'll come in conversations. Like when we're talking about this kind of thing, it almost opens up that channel. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking while I'm speaking words, I'm literally my brain is literally thinking of chords and like what could come after I just played what I played. Right, right. You know, it's literally. funny. I mean, you should say I'm that. Still though. I'm still improvising in my head. It's right. still there. It's funny you should say that after I uh, after I had my uh, conversation with John Anderson um, that weekend after I had that conversation I was uh, I needed to write all the lyrics for the new Neil Morse band album and just kind of the being with him I don't know yeah. I don't know how yeah, it, yeah, yeah. how it happened but it changed it changed the way I wrote the lyrics for that album I was a little I was a little freer. You know how free he is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? right. Well, I saw the interview. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's you know he's free and he's like he's so unique and yeah. he's so unique and he's so spiritual and and right. so I just right. I just started just I, I I approached it like I was writing a uh, a rough draft, you know, like I was writing scratch lyrics. Yeah, I, I, I okay. so I just started doing it. I just started flowing in it and. Pretty soon, I, I mean, in like, I don't know, 20 minutes, I was done with the first song. And then, you know, I mean, I, know, I wrote all the lyrics for this album in like four days or something like that. Wow. And it just really, and, and most of it was, I went back in and I rewrote some things. But yeah, a lot of the yeah. stuff that first came out, I thought, 
It was Man. just like a gift. You know, you could have written the lyrics a lot faster if you would have used that that program, that that uh, the automatic John Anderson lyric. Uh, right, program. right. Yeah, I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. I don't know if it's still up, but it definitely was a thing. Yeah, I know. I've heard about that. I've heard about it. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Well, so hey, man. You know, I don't want to take too much of your time. It's been so good talking with you. Oh, it's so nice to hang out with you. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, let's yeah, uh, totally. let's get together and. And play sometimes and create or well, something. That would wouldn't be that be nice, cool? Wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's been a while since we uh, we worked on something together. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I would. Uh, I'd love to do we that. Do. You know, we I do. love to create with what I call from a place of with no in order to, mm-hmm. with no mm-hmm. in order to get here or to, or right, to get right. there or to even like make an album or anything. Just create with no in order to well right because that's that's why we do that i mean we're trying to make a living with music but <laughs> that's only because we kind of have to you know <laughs> right that's what we yeah. do yeah but, uh, but the joy of music is not about about that no no we have to continuously bring ourselves back to that place right I, I always find that the happiest musicians many of the happiest musicians i know are the ones that don't have to make a living from it the ones that figured out how to how to have enough time to make music, but they but as far as money goes, they got something else that brings in the money. Right, right, yeah. You know? I mean, personally, I've, I've tried that on numerous occasions. Yeah. Uh, numerous occasions, it's just never worked out. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, the only, everything that I've done, the only thing that's actually been any kind of monetary success has all been music related. I've tried to start other little side businesses, yeah. you know, because it's like, well. You know, we're not getting any younger, and you want, you can't play forever, and you might right, be able right. to take care of things. things. Well, you're really, you know, you're you're an entrepreneur. You're always doing all these cool things. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, it's uh, it's been good. It's been good. You know, the uh, a lot of my different ventures have have turned out turned out really good. But uh, yeah. and I don't know, honestly, if I would have been more successful, uh, I maybe I wouldn't have done those things. Like you know, a lot of them are like, well. I need to figure out how to, you know, like the inner circle, my, my subscription yes, thing right. that I started in, right. I think 2005. Yeah. Well, I yeah. quit my, I quit my bands in 2002 or three or whatever. So there I am in 2004, I got little kids and I'm trying to think, well, figuring out how what, to yeah, them. how can, how can I, yeah, what can I do to, to make this work a little bit better? And right. So, I mean, as, but that's so, uh, I mean, as musicians that we have to do that. Well, it was I mean, great it's... for me because I'm the kind of person that likes to, I like to share everything. Yeah. Some people right. only want to share. I like, like it too. Some I people like only too. want to share the polished, perfect, the best thing yeah. they ever did. And that's great. And yeah. sometimes that's really smart. But mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. how it is. There's like a stuff and then, but then there's, this, there's all there's this other stuff. stuff. Yeah. There's demos and yeah. there's live tapes and there's, right. you know, there's right. songs that you've got that like, well, they didn't make the album, but I think they're still really cool. And I like I to did, share yeah. all that stuff. Right. And right. so I thought, oh, this will be really great because the inner circle, it'll be an outlet for that. Right. And, yeah. Uh, no, they love it. You know, one of the, um, one of the most popular things that. I put on my Patreon uh, site, yeah, which yeah. I started about a year ago. Yeah, nice that's Patreon a great thing. thing. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. But, you know, I share a lot of music with them. I, you know, improvise. I, I show the, all of that, all those guys. And here's something I just played, you know, last night or whatever. Uh, and they all 
of course they like it because they're there for what I do. But one of the most popular things was when I recorded this last um, solo album that I did, which is called A Chapter in Time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I allowed them to help name the pieces. Oh, wow. So I would give I would give them a preview of it. I'd post the music for them and say, hey, guys, you know, this is instrumental music. Would you help me come up with a name for this? And I get all the and everybody was like really into it. They were like, you know, they feel like, wow, I can be involved, you know, in the in the creativity and be part of it. And that was like, I really learned something because, you know, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to, you know, I'm playing something. I'll share that. They'll, they'll love it. They'll be, they'll, you know, they'll all comment. But, you know, some people do. But when I ask them to name stuff and be actually part of my creative process, that's what got like, you know, a, a lot of, you know, reaction and involvement, engagement. Yeah. Is, is the yeah. Word. Interactive stuff is. Yeah, totally. It's great. It's great. And I like that. Yeah. And, you know, we know a lot of musicians who aren't like that at all. Because it's really more of a new kind of thing. In the old days, you know, with like Emerson and Wakeman, all the guys you were talking about, it's like, you know, we're down here and we're looking up there. They're like on a mountaintop somewhere, like, you know, with, with you know, lights, you know, shining on them from the heavens. And, you know, you couldn't get near them or... <laughs> right now it's a little now it's a little bit different somebody wants to be part of you know your inner circle of my patreon they can do that and we enjoy it yeah because hey we can resonate like we resonate with our music and we resonate with other people it's all the same yeah you know it's just creating this kind of higher higher energy level of being on this planet yeah yeah so, it's all about uh, sharing it really it's not I think so. music isn't complete somehow as much as we might like it you know i mean much we as we might like it to be I think yeah. if if we've been if we give if we receive a jewel like that you know yeah. in our in our creativity, yes. part of the completion of it is to share it. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's that element of just being so happy that you you tuned up your energy and created whatever it was the jewel, and that's amazing. That could be very healing and satisfying. But when you when you offer it as a gift to other people and they and also they respond it. to it yeah and you go wow it becomes the energy expands it becomes larger and then you're like wow this is awesome yeah so that yeah is, that's the that i think that's the purpose thing. of the gift you mm. know it isn't just for mm. us god intends for everyone to bask in the in the yeah. gift the, the larger healing yeah the larger <laughs> healing Awesome. Well, it was nice having uh, a chai with you today. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, man. Have a good rest of the day, and God bless, brother. Thank you, brother. Take care. Take care.